Yes. Five kids. Five kids. Was that planned? Um, three of them. Yeah. 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 Three of them were planned. Thank you. And uh, actually, when we got married, I I wanted three kids, and my wife wanted four kids, and uh, we ended up with five kids. So, um, yeah, good, crazy marriage. One was uh, our last one was a Hurricane Sandy surprise. You know, no heat, no power, and nothing to do. And we ended up with number five. So I think there was like a little baby boom. So one just correction, um, I'm not an executive pastor. I have no executive gifts. And so just want to be really clear on that. I was actually a CPA major in college before I switched to ministry. But um, that's as far as, as any of that goes. So I was asked to just share a little bit of my story, my testimony, and the story of our church a little bit and how it interweaves. And so Grew up in Kinelon, New Jersey. My dad was a school teacher at Montclair. He taught automotive. Uh, my mom was a teacher's aide. Very, very blue collar home. Um, I was the third of four kids, uh, children that they had. My older brother was about six years older than me. My older sister was two years older than me. Um, then there was me and my younger sister was a year younger than me. Um, my parents didn't really have, I mean, they, they kind of have a, had a, a very nominal understanding of who God was. And so my dad would bring us as kids to a church in our town. It was Episcopal and uh, not teaching really the Bible, sadly, not, never, never sharing the gospel. And so we, we were, it was a non-Christian home that, that I grew up in, though my dad had some faith. When I was about eight years old, the uh, priest at that church, uh, they were changing him and they were bringing in someone who was gay. And my dad's like, I don't really know the Bible, but I don't think this is right. And so we stopped going to church. And at that time, uh, someone invited my older sister, Karen, to VBS at Jacksonville Chapel, or, or the chapel, the artist formerly known as Jacksonville Chapel. And... Uh, and there, my sister Karen, at nine years old, heard the gospel, trusted Christ, didn't go forward, didn't raise her hand, didn't let anyone know. Uh, but as a nine-year-old, she understood the gospel well enough to begin praying every day for her family that they become Christians. Um, shortly after that, my mom uh, suffered from some mental illness and had to leave her career as a, as a teacher's aide. And, um, but through that, the, the principal there had shared the gospel with her and she came to Christ. So this is really, I mean, my sister, I don't know if she's a Christian, she's praying quietly, but I'm about 12 years old now and my mom becomes a Christian, but she also uh, suffered a psychotic break from reality. And so she's in bed most days. My dad at the time got his dream job teaching at a college. He's commuting back and forth from the college, so he's home on the weekends. Uh, my mom's very sick, but now she's reading the Bible. So my 12-year-old understanding is Christians are crazy, right? Like, that's what I understand. Like, this is nuts. All my mom does is lay around and read the Bible. She's lost her mind. Like, I want no part of this. Um, my sister, Karen, starts to bring my younger sister, Jill, to, to youth group, and she becomes a Christian. Uh, my dad, through my mom, becomes a Christian, but I'm still, like, not really sure about all this. It's, it's weird. Um, we stopped doing, like, a lot of things we were doing, and we started going to church stuff. And I'm, 
I'm like, I don't know what I think of all this. Uh, so at 15 years old, I, I, like a lot of my identity at this point is sports and friends and stuff like that. Uh, I went to a lacrosse party as a freshman in high school. And as the party was kind of ending, they asked the freshman to move the keg down the street to the other house so the party could continue at this other house. So here I am um, carrying a keg down the middle of the street in Smoke Rise. And uh, security, if you, if you know Smoke Rise at all, has a security. Security comes up over the hill and we drop the keg in the street and me and my friend are sitting behind the house and he's going, don't worry, they're just gonna take the keg and get out of here. And uh, so we're sitting back there for about 10 minutes and sure enough, uh, like four police come in. And so we just take off running. And in between that, my one friend pulled up in his moped into the house. So there's the three of us. And so these two guys go this way up the hill and I go this way. And the police come out running after us and the spotlight's on those two guys going up the hill. I'm getting away this way as fast as I can. And as I'm running as fast as I can, I smash into a wood pile. And I remember, like, all of a sudden the spotlight goes on me, my retainer fell out. And I remember, here's the thought I had. If I lose my retainer, my parents are going to kill me. You know, like, it, as I'm getting arrested, I'm like, I need my retainer. And uh, so I got arrested and uh, got some community service. And Matthew Lorenzo, who I don't know if you guys know Matt at all, he was a student ministries pastor at Jacksonville Chapel, he reached out to me. And he said, hey, you know, you're arrested and you have some community service. I have this great thing. I have a mission trip I want you to go on. And I know that's not usually the pathway into mission work, but that was my first missions trip, uh, community service. And so I go on, I had two trips. Uh, one was uh, a Touch the World, I think the first ever Touch the World trip that they ever did in like 1995 or something. And I went up and I was building... Uh, an outhouse in New York. It was the first thing. And I got in trouble every day because I called it a crapper. And so every day, all these guys got free time. And I was doing uh, like extra work in the woods with like a machete, clearing a path. Me and this kid, Mark, and I, you know, I don't know what happened to him. He's probably in jail. So anyway, uh, <laughs> no, he's probably doing awesome because God's awesome. Uh, so I had an all right experience in that. The, the next trip I went on and Touch the World has done awesome work in New Jersey. I'm grateful for, for the impact they've had on me. Um, the next trip I had to go on was a trip called CSSM. And I went on that trip. And this was the first time ever where, because I had to go to church, right? I was forced, my parents forced me to go. Um, it was never an option, right? Like it didn't matter what I did Saturday night. Uh, Sunday, I had to be in our driveway at 8.30. That was the rule. It was like, you, listen, you can go out, you can have fun with your friends, you can do whatever. My dad's like, at 8.30, you're going to be here, and no complaints. And so, like, that's, that's just what we did. So I go on this trip, and for the first time, I'm not sitting, watching, I'm leading. And I loved it. Like, I really did love it. And so I'm like, huh, what do I do with that? So I filed that. And then the next, went back to school, same kind of just regular, pretty, if anything, maybe had a nominal faith, non-Christian, made no difference in my life, just lived however I wanted to live. But every summer I went back and did that trip because I liked it. Uh, went to my first college to study as a CPA. And after that year, uh, went back to the mission strip. Kind of always had this little deal with God. Like, okay, if you leave me kind of alone. I won't commit these sins. And then I went to college and committed all those sins. 
and came back that summer and did the trip. And it was one of those really cool moments where for the first time I led a kid to Christ afterwards. And I don't even know if I'm a Christian, right? But I'm praying with him the prayer to trust Christ, to receive the gospel. And he's having a moment where he's surrendering. And uh, later in the trip, this mom said, hey, what do you do? And I said, uh, well, I'm studying to be a CPA. And she said, what a waste. You should be in ministry. And I'm like, ministry? Like, I think you have to be a Christian. And so, <laughs> like, I know I'm on a mission trip, and this might be surprising. Uh, so I, I um, go home that after that trip and it's everyone's right about to go back to school and my older brother went back to school and so my parents had four going back to college and they said hey with the four of you guys going back to college we can't afford it uh, we can't afford everyone and I said you know what I, I don't need to go back for this year I, I know I don't want to be a CPA I wanted to change to be a gym teacher my dad wouldn't let me because he's a teacher he's like I'm not paying for you to go to college to be a teacher like, all right, so much for supporting my dreams. And uh, he, uh, he, I took that year off, and very selfishly, I'm not praying, I'm not seeking God, uh, I'm laying in my bed, and I'm saying, okay, I know I don't want to be a CPA. I really just want to be a lacrosse coach. That's why I want to be a gym teacher. And um, what should I do with my life? As I'm laying in bed, uh, I'm asking the question just in my head, like talking to myself, well, what's made me most happy? Like totally selfish, right? The answer that comes to me is the mission strips. And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, you've got to be kidding me. And I couldn't believe it. And for the first time in my life, I realized uh, God didn't just die for my sins, but he was really good. And when I walked with him, I had more joy, and I couldn't believe it. And I was like, I don't want to be a Christian. They're weird. And in that moment, I said, God, I don't care what you ask me to do. I just want to do whatever you want because I realize you're good. And so I said, Here, here's my life. Do whatever you want with it. Um, shortly after that, um, I felt like uh, I should go into student ministries. And so... I want, I want to give you guys just kind of five scenes, right? So that's kind of pre-Christ. Here's kind of when I came to Christ. Felt like I should go into student ministries, went to Eastern University. I thought I was doing awesome, but I was a brand new Christian, so I wasn't really doing that good. Um, but I thought I was doing great. I'm like, I'm not doing drugs or having sex. Like, what more do you need? <laughs> like, I'm surrendered. And they're like, apparently you're not supposed to get drunk either. Um, but I was new, <laughs> right? And... Um, so I went through Eastern University. I did okay there. Uh, part, part of it, just spiritual immaturity. Um, part of it, just contrarian in nature and, and hate hypocrisy. And, um, and part of it is I don't, I don't do well without an evangelistic opportunity. I, I die. Um, and so, but largely spiritual immaturity. I don't want to I don't want to make it sound spiritual how sinful I was in college. Um, studying student ministries, felt like student ministries was where I should be. Got out of college and went into uh, work at the chapel with Matt, who actually was so influential for me. And a guy named Jason uh, got hired when I was 
kind of interning there actually, and he said, hey, if, if this works out, I'd love to bring you in. And so he brought me in as the associate pastor of student ministries, which is like, um, the, the you know, we, we're really not sure about this, but we need someone to be at junior high. Um, that's, that's what that title means. And um, so I started serving in the student ministries, and I loved it. And there was a, a lot of fruit in, in student ministries. At the same time, Jason had started this service at Jacksonville Chapel called Emergence. And uh, Jason and the old exec pastor, Phil, really kind of didn't know what to do with it. So they were always, what do we do with this? What do we do? And I was like, should we not do it? Should we do it? Both Jason and Phil left at the same time, uh, the chapel. And so it was me and Dave at the chapel. And Dave would say, listen, I don't care. Let's just see what God does. And I'm like, I'm, ha I'm happy to do middle school. I, I like that ministry. There's fruit there. It had gone from like 10 kids to 120 middle schoolers, and it was just a, a great time to be part of that. And at the same point, like Jason had moved on, and I started preaching every week. I went from preaching uh, once a month to every week. And as I always say, at that point, emergence rapidly grew from 75 to 40. And I remember uh, just spreading the chairs out as much as I could and people being like, is too tall Jones coming today? And I'm like, I hope someone comes. And, and uh, just would have like these like, like awful nightmares about like preaching to no one in my underwear. And <laughs> my parents like in my dream, the only ones there, like you need to preach better. And uh, I went for this walk around a lake in Kinalon. And I was just praying, God, what do you want to do? And open to 1 Corinthians where Paul says, when I came to you, I didn't come with wise or persuasive words, um, but a clear demonstration of the Spirit's power as I made the gospel known to you. And I remember like uh, in the woods saying, okay, God, I don't care what happens. I'm just going to preach the gospel and teach the Bible. And this thing dies. Uh, I'll just know it's because people reject the gospel. And if it ever grows, I'll just know you did it. Right, because I know what I did. I did negative 35 yeah. rapidly. That's like my ability. And so it felt, it was really weird. It felt like a thousand pound weight came off me. And I walked out of the woods because I'm like, I'm happy doing middle school. I'll just do that. I like it. There's fruit there. Um, it, it's just the team's awesome. And this thing, I don't know what to do with this. I'm, I don't feel good at this. Like there's a programming team. I forget everything. And so I walk out, and I'm like, okay, it's probably going to die, but I'm just going to preach the gospel. And, and it was the coolest little, I'd say, mini, mini, mini season of, like, revival I ever saw in my personal life, where I started to preach the gospel, and, like, the Bible was becoming really awesome for me, but also people were getting saved like crazy. Um, everything from, you know, businessmen to strippers. Like, we had a stripper get saved uh, at the church. And it, it was just wild. And it went from 40 to uh, 300 plus that summer uh, from walking out. And so then the chapel and uh, the elders felt like, you know what, this should be an independent church. And that was hard for me because I was like, I love the chapel. Uh, I would be happy to serve there in the corner for the rest of my life. It's where my family became believers. I love that church. I will always want to see that church do well. Um, and they're like, no, we think it's just going to be too much to try to hold it all together. So I said, okay, let's go plant this thing. So we planted it in uh, 2011. 
And so if that's kind of like conversion, how I got into ministry, I would say from 2011 to 2000, maybe 18 was like the Midas touch years where like we could do no wrong. We were doing dumb things and it was awesome. Like we'd be like, let's stand upside down today. And people be like, that's amazing. I'm bringing all my friends. And like people were getting saved. We're doing stupid stuff. And like God's kindness was just in us. And so from that season went from 300 to 2000 something and we had four campuses and we're just expanding. We're expanding in ways that were, uh, we just didn't have any money because we were 20 years old and strippers, and, you know, we had a couple ones in the offering, but, uh, you know, I'm just kidding. Um, so we just said, we had, we, had, uh, we had no space, but we had no money, and so we expanded things, but we didn't really expand well, um, and, and yet we had, like, this momentum and young energy, and just an amazing season of people coming to Christ and seeing people baptized, and then 2020 hit. And if you know anyone in ministry, like I was in shape and had brown hair in 2019. <laughs> like this, this, this aged, like Fred, like, you know, he's, you almost died. From 2020 and 2021 were, if this was the Midas touch, this was like the, the dung touch. Anything you did turned it. And, for, and I felt like we're doing better stuff now than we ever did. But uh, I, I heard one, one of my friends in ministry said it like this. He's like, ministry is always like a table you're standing on, and you just don't want to fall off to the right. You don't want to fall off to the left. You want to be faithful to the Bible. He said, what happened in 2020 is that became a pinhead. And what it, what it revealed to me is like a lot of Christians, this is crazy, are more discipled by their news source than by the Word of God. Like they look to their cable news for their talking points more than God's Word. And what it exposed is they were unable to discern the issues biblically. And a lot of people freaked, both, both sides, right? And so it went from everything was great to like, this is just a brutal season. Uh, COVID, mass, vaccines, uh, politics, um, the injustice with race, and people did not have the, the biblical framework to, to navigate some of those issues. And it was, stress, it was a stressful time, right? Um, and it was like, we went from like 2000 to five, you know? <laughs> and uh, we decided, here was the gift for us of COVID. Two amazing things happened. Uh, one, because I'll focus on the good because, you know, we don't want a therapy session. One was, uh, um, it allowed us for the first time to look at what we were reproducing. And we realized, wow, if our, so our Sunday morning, the thing we always want to just say, we want to hit these marks is, if I walked in, would the gospel be clear, right? That's one of our biggest hopes. If someone brought a friend, would they clearly hear the gospel? And then the other big hope is, would they be proud to bring their friend to this church? And not like a good proud, not like Satan proud. And 2020 helped us to see at our campuses, um, not because the people we hired, because of the facility, um, because of the amount of people it took to set them up, that, you know what, I, I think people not only not be proud to bring their friends to these campuses, they'd be a little embarrassed. Um, 
And so it helped us to see we reproduced some things that weren't good. And it helped us to slow down enough to look at what was happening under the hood. That was one of the great gifts of 2020 and so for us. And so we spent some time consolidating. We went from four sites to two. We got rid of our two uh, mobile sites largely because of the space restrictions it took to even set up the site. It's like, okay, we're gonna have 40 people, but it takes 40 people to set the site up. And these faithful people would have gone and done it. Like I felt like I have to save them from themselves. They're gonna be setting it up for themselves. It's gonna kill them. So we decide to consolidate those two campuses and go to two. Um, and then the other gift was by the grace of God, we tried for a long time to find some space. And in that season, we found some space with um, the option for some renters. And so we were able to buy space for future expansion. But in the meantime, we have some renters who offset the costs that we couldn't afford, which was, you know, you just know we couldn't do that. Um, that's God's kindness to us. So, so conversion, call to ministry, ministry, golden years, awful years. 2022 for me has been the most encouraging year for me in ministry that I've ever had. In January, I'm like, just, we're, you know what, we're here to share our faith. Like, we're here, like Jesus calls us fishers of men. And it hit me, I'm in this little learning group with some pastors and this one guy, Rodney, we were at this like learning thing and there was little golf thing that this place, what, it's a weird, long story. But anyway, he brought a fishing pole and every time he walked by the pond, he'd cast the fishing pole. And because as we're golfing, he brought a pole with him. And I'm like, dude, like, you're going to catch anything? He's like, no, nah, I'm not going to catch anything. He's like, I got the wrong pole and the wrong type of bait for that type of thing anyway. And I'm like, well, and it hit me. Wow, this guy just loves casting. And so Jesus calls us fishers of men. Um, when we fish for people, it's like casting. We don't expect every time we cast, we're going to get a bite. Um, but what would it look like if we just loved casting as a church and just kind of like challenge the, the congregation? Like, what's it look like for you when you go out this year to just say, like, even this morning, hey, I, when you go to work, what did you guys, what's up? What's your day? Oh, I went to this thing. We studied the Bible. Like, to just say it and just throw it out. And you know what? Maybe someone's going to bite, maybe not. But you're going to cast. And you never know because you put that line in what's going to happen down the road. You guys have all seen that, right? God's faithfulness like that. And for some reason, the, the Spirit of God just moved people with that. And it's been this amazing year where um, at Easter, we saw 78 people get baptized. Uh, a couple... 70, I'm sorry, 73 people baptized. A couple weeks ago, we saw 58 people get baptized. So our prayer this year was like, God, could we see 100 people baptized? And um, by the grace of God, this year we saw 131. We celebrate our 10-year anniversary as a church. We, we built this big Jesus sign with like a thousand light bulbs in it. And uh, each socket that goes on is uh, someone who was baptized at the church. And so right now there's like 670 and the goal is in the next couple of years to fill it. Um, so every time we've lit 131 bulbs this year and just just trying to celebrate God's faithfulness in, in some of that. And so uh, really encouraging year for me personally and just sharing my faith. 
Um, I don't know what time it is. I'd love to share one story with you guys of, of sharing. Okay. Um, so in the spring, I'm supposed to uh, go down to do this wedding of someone who I loved at the church. A tragic story. He got this great job out of college. It was at a charity event. And he ended up driving home from that event. And he got in a car accident and killed someone. And he breathed over, over the le legal limit. So he's a kid in my student ministry. He was um, the captain of his football team, quarterback, all that stuff. Really good guy. Tragic, tragic mistake. And um, eight years ago, he gets out of prison this year. And he was engaged going in, and he said, when I get out, would you do the wedding? So I fly down, and as I'm flying down, um, like, I don't know if you guys fly now, um, but when you fly, they charge you for everything, right? Like, yes, yeah. And so I'm trying to fly down with my wife, Rochelle, um, but like you got to pay to sit next to each other except 24 hours before the flight if you get it you can sit next to each other and fill it up and so you guys get it and so the problem is I'm flying out Monday morning at nine and so Sunday at nine I'm kind of busy and so when I when I get I work one day a week and it just happens to be the day so <laughs> Sunday at one I get done preaching and I go on to register and the seats aren't next to each other and uh so I get this window seat, and somehow Rochelle was in this middle seat, and you know, uh, way ahead of me. And so I felt a little convicted about that. Like, hey, you know, she ended up in the middle. I got this better seat. So I'm like, you know, as we're getting on the plane, I'm like, well, if you want, why, why don't you take my window seat, and I'll just take your middle seat? And she's like, okay. I'm like, huh, you know? <laughs> when, when we were dating, that was a little more of a discussion. <laughs> you know, like, this is becoming, oh, all right. So she goes right to the window, and my wife is, a, is an awesome evangelist. She, like, puts me to shame. So it's hitting me as I'm getting on the plane. Oh, no, like, God probably has her sitting next to this guy because he's, she's supposed to share the gospel with him. Now I'm going to have to. And uh, so I get on the plane, sit down next to this guy, and sure enough, it's wild. He's older. He clearly has some dementia. And he's on his phone, and the speaker, I didn't even know they made speaker phones with this level of volume. It's like blasting as we're sitting on the plane. And, you know, it's to the point where when the people come down, they're like, sir, you need to get off your phone. We're about to take off. He's like, I can't hear you. Get on my phone. And, like, everyone around us is, like, chuckling because he's, he's old and he's blasting speakerphone. And uh, so, sure enough, he starts talking to me right away. Hey, oh, what are you doing? As he hangs up, as every, the whole conversation is, is, is at volume 10. And, you know, he's telling me about, like, things he's learned and life lessons. And he's like, you could probably use a little more salad in your diet. And, like, I'm like, yeah. And uh, so, like, everyone's chuckling, right, around. And um, it turns out we grew up on this, we live on the same street in Kinalon where I grew up. And I went to high school with his daughter. And we graduated in the same class. And so he's sharing, sharing, sharing the whole way up. And we're like an hour into the flight. And, and literally, not a, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, uh, uh, should he sell it? And um, I pray an hour, and I'm like, God, help me somehow to say something to this guy that will encourage him, that will point him to you. And so he shares with me. Uh, he's actually flying down because... Um, Regina, who I went to uh, high school with, she's a, she's a surgeon, uh, and uh, she's done so well. She runs marathons, she eats salad, and uh, <laughs> so um, 
he shares with me that his wife's dying and it's the final moments. And, you know, she was with him, of course, in Kinelon, but then uh, as she was passing, they brought her down to be with Regina because she could just get the services. And it was obviously just too much for him. And so he's like, I'm, I'm flying down to say goodbye to my wife. And uh, I get to, you know, share with him, you know, I, I'm a pastor. And uh, the, one of the things that's really hard is that we lose people this side of heaven, but we have this incredible hope in the gospel. And uh, I shared, and he said, he actually goes, I knew that. Um, I needed that reminder, right? So, so as we're landing, uh, as we land, and no joke, we're in, the, we're in the runway. He drops his phone. It starts to ring, ring. Like, remember, it's like bazooka level volume. <laughs> he can't get it. So I got to reach down between his legs, like 85 years old, and grab his phone. It's Regina, like, so he's like, Regina, guess who I'm sitting next to? We went to high school with him. And she, he hands me the phone. It's on speaker, like volume 10. And uh, Regina's like, hey, Ryan, um, uh, I know you're a pastor, because Facebook, right? The small talks, everyone knows everything about everyone. Um, she said, this is so crazy. Uh, three months ago, I became a Christian. My mom's dying, my dad has dementia. And I've been praying somehow that God would watch over him as he flew here. And so now like the people around me are like crying on the plane. Like we're like hugging at the end. Except this guy, this guy wanted nothing to do. He just got off. Um, and it just like, it was one of those awesome moments where it just hit me that there is nothing better than like doing the, the mission that God has for us. Like, there's nothing more rewarding. There's nothing more fulfilling. This is the craziest plane ride of my whole life. Uh, and yet, there's a sense that God's like, sees that stuff and goes, I love it. I love when my people will trust me. I love when they'll take that step and follow me. So, um, I was asked to kind of give you guys a quick question. So, what's been the high? What's been the low for you of 2022? What's been the kind of the spiritual kind of cool moment? What's been the struggle? And hope you have a good discussion. I'm going to pray for us, and let's, uh, let's, someone's going to tell us what to do from there. Um.